G'day, welcome to Stat Stuffers. As always, I'm your host, Ramiz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dylan. How are you? I'm good, Ramiz. How are you? I'm going great. Week two of NBA action. I should have said great, because I'm actually very annoyed about the week, the second week of NBA action, but we'll get, <laughs> we'll to, get that. to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. So, this is our wrap-up of the previous week of the NBA. We're going to be doing things just like last week, but we do have a new segment, which you'll hear about, which you'll hear a little bit later. But first, let's get to our news roundup. So, this was a very unfortunate week for injuries. We had some very key guys suffering some pretty pretty important injuries, pretty substantial injuries here. Um, we're just going to talk about them, see kind of what the team looks like and, you know, what what's happening going forward. So, Spencer Didwee suffered a partial ACL tear, which is... Out for the season. Now, I didn't hear about this until you put this uh, in the doc. So, Dylan, do you want to talk about this? Yeah, um, I can't remember exactly what game it was in, but um, it might have been the Hornets game, maybe. But, um, yeah, he went down which with what was originally reported as a, a right knee sprain or strain. Right. Um, and we found out after the game that it was a yeah, partial ACL tear. So, unfortunately, the, the Nets will be without Dinwiddie for the rest of the season, which is... Sad news, you know, because they had such a great and hot start to the to the season, and it was a lot of fun seeing Dinwiddie and Kyrie and KD and all those guys uh, playing on offense. So you know, that's a bit of a hit to their to their playmaking, uh, which is you know, which is tough. Yeah. Um. Look, you know, I I think we talked a bit last week about how you know their bench is just kind of a starting lineup. I mean, obviously Dinwiddie was starting, wasn't he? Um, yeah. So, I mean, this does really hurt their depth a little bit. Do you know who's stepped in to take his starting spot? Um, I don't. It might be Levert. Um, that would make sense, yeah. That would make sense. Uh, but, you know... This hurts yeah, their bench. I, I, it yeah. hurts their bench a bit, but, you know, obviously with this team, with the abundance of riches they have, um, you know, I think this team is more suited than a lot of teams to get by uh, with this. Um, but yeah, it is tough just because Dinwiddie looks like he was fitting in really well with those two guys. He was shooting when he, you know, sort of needed to, and it, but he was also, um, uh, he was also playmaking for those guys so they could focus on their scoring. Yeah. Uh, also, Timothy Luaru Cabarro is starting for them now. Okay. TLC. Right, right, so they, so right. they've gone with keeping their bench intact uh, rather than breaking up their bench. Uh, so. I think, that, I makes think sense. that yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense too because you've already got enough offense in the starting lineup. Yeah, and uh, Cabarro's been around too. So yeah, I, I I've actually enjoyed watching him a bit. So yeah, you hate to see this, you really do. But I mean, if yeah. any team can kind of handle it, like the only teams really built with this kind of depth are kind of the Nets and Lakers. I think there's not a whole lot of teams so. that have enough depth to really just get by with this. I don't think this will affect their record all that much. It just kind of sucks. Actually, it really yeah. Sucks. As, yeah, especially for Dinwiddie. Um, and I, it, luckily, it's only a partial ACL tear. Apparently, yeah. he's supposed to make a full recovery. But um, it just sucks that he's, he's out for the season. Yeah. All right. So, a less serious injury here is uh, Carlton Town suffered a dislocated wrist. And he's week to week. So, he could be back relatively soon. It might not be for a little while. We don't fully know. But not the worst injury in the world. It has not been good for the Timberwolves while he's been out, however. No, they're they're in trouble without Cat. Um, yeah, this is really definitely bad. a situation where the where the Wolves need Cat 
uh, more than the cat needs the wolves right now. Yeah, um, yeah he's he'll, he'll be okay. Um, probably the next week or two, we might see him back. Um, but yeah, that's tough for the wolves without him. Sort of on both ends, even though Cat's not much of a defender. They're hemorrhaging points at the moment, but they're also not getting up a lot of points, it seems like. And D'Angelo hasn't done a whole lot to keep them afloat at the moment. I think that much um, been worse with him on the floor and Cat out. I think I saw a stat I, about that. I had a quick look at his plus minuses for the for the last three games or something like that. I think combined, or he's averaging like a minus 22 or something like that. That is absurd. Like, he's just getting destroyed while he's out there um which is yeah not good for the wolves who were i don't know i watched a few wolves game while cat was in there and they they were fun they were sort of they were a fun team but uh oh my lord his oh my god his on off for this season is a negative 41 so his team is 41 points better when he's off the court wow that yeah is that is that including cat games That's including cat games. Man, that is tough. <laughs> let, me check, let me check lineups with him and no cat uh, real quick. Um, so that's his most common lineup. It's a negative 27. Uh, oh. Actually, still a negative 58 in lineups with cat. Um, Malik Beasley, oh uh, Lehman, Okogi, Deirdre Russell, Godley Towns has played 14 and a half minutes and they're a negative 58 per 100 possessions. Per 100 possessions there. Um, yeah, but in lineups without Cat, they're also really, really, really bad. Um, so, yeah. D'Angelo Russell's most commonly played lineup is with Malik Beasley, Jarrett Culver, uh, Nas Reed, and then Ricky Rubio, uh, as well as him, a negative 27. And they've played 26 minutes together. Man, that is bad. tough. <laughs> and, and it's bad for the Timberwolves, especially, because they're playing good teams at the moment. They've played the Lakers, they've played the Clippers, and who'd they lose to yesterday? They lost to the Wizards, who, who, well, the Wizards aren't a good team, but, you know, even the Wizards are picking up, you know, nearly 30-point wins uh, against them. So it's yeah, it's, it's tough for the Wolves at the moment. And, you know, I don't know how much Cat solves them defensive, defensively, but at least offensively, <clears throat> he's, you know, one of the better scorers in the league. So it's going to be tough for them while Cat's gone for this week-to-week. Sorry, I just want to throw one more stat in here. Um, in two-man two men combination, so we... D'Angelo Russell is with Carl D. Towns. They're a plus seven per 100 possessions. With everyone else, they are negative. Um, so with Malik Beasley, Nas Reed, Jarrett Colbert, Anthony Edwards, Ricky Rubio, Josh Okogi, Jay Clayman, uh, Wancho, and then Ed Davis, all negatives. Uh, in fact, his lineups with Ed Davis are a negative 81. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're just getting cooked at the moment. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. So, yeah, get well so, soon, Cat. <laughs> yeah, Cat back really, really soon. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, the uh, Kevin Love has suffered a re-aggravated calf strain, so three, out three to four weeks. This one actually hasn't affected the Cavs. Like, no, know. I mean, thanks to Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton. <laughs> a lot of the time. He's been unreal. The Sexton um, backcourt. Yeah, the Sexton backcourt has been fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know how precautionary they're being with Kevin Love just to sort of keep whatever trade value he's got at the moment. Yeah. You know, where it is. Um, they're probably, you know, they're obviously not rushing him back to try and compete for anything. So oh, no. I think it's mo- mainly precautionary with Love. But this was the calf that kept him out most of last year, wasn't it? Or maybe... I'm not sure. 
oh, maybe it was just through training camp that he first injured it. But um, yeah, three to four weeks. But yeah, so far they've gotten about all right with him. They're actually above five hundred at the moment. The old Cavs. So um, yeah, um, yeah they're on, four and two at the moment. Yeah, on the um aspect of trade. So uh, Kevin Love has two two more years after this year left in his contract. So. They're gonna. They're probably gonna trade him within the next year or two. I'd imagine. Uh, I can't see them keeping him around and paying him thirty million dollars a year for the next three years when they probably are looking at making the playoffs within the de- within the next couple of years. And currently, they're on pace to. Um. So yeah, if Kevin Love gets injured and then, you know, they let him keep reaggravating it and then he comes back looking worse and worse, that's gonna really hurt them. So yeah, they they should just keep him out. Honestly, keep him out for like three or four months at this point and just you know <laughs> trade him at just, the deadline. Yeah. I mean <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if he sits a lot, a lot of games for the Cavs. Um yeah. Yeah, three or four weeks probably takes back to backs off. Um, obviously, teams want to see him play before they trade for him. But um, yeah. you know, Kevin Love's an established guy at the moment, so he didn't start the season yeah. great though. Um, only twenty three minutes per game, but nine and a half points and six boards. But you know, probably anomaly considering the last few years he's been averaging seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, and he missed a lot of last season with injury, so he's working his way back still. Um, but yeah. You know, the Cavs seem all right, and plus I don't think they're too worried anyway, so it's not that big of a deal for the Cavs. Yeah, and the final one here is uh, TJ Warren suffered a stress fracture in his left foot, and he's out indefinitely, unless it's been updated recently. We don't know how long he's going to be out. It could be a matter of weeks, it could be a matter of months, who knows. Um, it doesn't sound like it's a super-duper serious injury, but we, we really don't know just yet. Um I don't know if this hurts the Pacers that much either, because Demarcus Sabonis has been so good. They kind of don't need TJ Warren that much right now. I mean, it would help to have him around, obviously, but their offense isn't going to suffer as much as you thought it would. He hasn't been sort of, you know, crazy good for them this season so far. Um, he's only averaging 15 a game, which, you know, is production, but, like, yeah. you can find that other places from other guys getting a bigger role. Um yeah, it looks like out indefinitely is all we have now for Warren. But um, the paces have been pretty good so far. They've been yeah. interesting to watch. Oladipo looked pretty good against the Celtics. Um, when they had a two, they had a Celtics not back to back, I don't think, but two game schedule against them. And um, yeah, Oladipo looked really good. Uh, so I think yeah, I think they'll be okay without Warren. But hopefully, it's not too long. I know stress fractures. They I think they take a while to heal, and he's had surgery on it. So. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how long he'll be out. It might be a bit longer than they'd hoped for. Um, but I guess I guess through the regular season, I think they'll be okay. If he's missing any playoff time, then they'll definitely miss him. But, um, That'll hurt. That'll as, really hurt. Yeah. As, as for right now, I think they can scrape by with some of the bench guys. Yeah, I think I think they'll be fine. I mean, I, this is an injury that probably will affect their record a little bit, but it's so early in the season that it's hard to really say kind of what their record yeah. is and what it should be. Um, yeah, they've definitely looked. I mean, Sabonis has looked incredible. Um, really good, yeah. They've looked like one of the more dangerous teams out east so far. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can keep it up without Warren. Yeah. All right. Uh, one final minor piece of news. No injury here. Uh, James Harden actually did suffer a slight injury. I think it was like a twisted ankle or something like that. Should be back. Uh, by next game, he sat at the Kings game. Um, he was a uh last minute scratch, but he was at shoot around. Early for 
from what I read the first time in a very, very, very long time, and he was shooting around yeah. with Jay Sean Tate, the rookie who he threw a basketball at. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a bit of a this is this is a this bit is of a, a miracle. I mean, it's hard. It is. It's hard on sticking around. See a changed man. I mean, um, yeah. This is you only just uh, let me know about this before we jumped on, but um, this was this sort of blew my mind a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if John Wall and Boogie have you know inspired him to at least be a competent teammate while he's around, but um. Yeah, this is this is a good look for Harden. So, from what I read, is usually James Harden is one of the last people on the court for shoot around. Him, Eric Gordon, and PJ Tucker are always the last three on the court for shoot around. But no, James Harden was uh, first out there with the rookie Jay Sean Tate. So I'm not even going to say it's John Wall or Boogie. I'm saying it's Tate. Tate is the rocket savior, and I'm so here for it. <laughs> I'm here for a former NBL guy. Uh, just last season, it was in the NBL Finals until that got cancelled due to COVID. But um. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm proud of Tate. He's put up some good numbers too. So maybe, yeah, he's earned a bit of Harden's respect and they're, they're getting after it together. Yeah, I mean, did you see that photo? Um, I don't remember what the game was, but they were wearing their like blue H-Town jerseys. There was a photo of like James Harden like hugging Jason Tate as they were walking off the floor. They were just smiling and it was like, okay, maybe James Harden is like turning around a little bit. Like, I, you know, he threw a basketball at him. I wouldn't read into that as like, oh, he hates him. He wants to, no, you know, no. he wants him off the team. It, it happens. It, it'll happen in practice. Guys get emotional. Guys get frustrated when things don't go right. Um, I've probably thrown a basketball at a teammate. I, I actually, I don't know if I have, <laughs> but oh, maybe. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's never it's never anything serious. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously we're having a bit of fun with it, but I don't think this helps uh, Harden's chances at staying in Houston. But um. You know, it's at least it's good to see him be a, a good teammate while he's around. Yeah, yeah. Take a, take take the rookie under his wing a little bit, and yeah, like you said, Jay Sean Tate has been pretty good for them. So this is yeah. nice to see. Hopefully, Harden has a bit of a redemption arc because I wouldn't mind seeing him stay in Houston now. In fact, I've I've said if he gets traded somewhere else, that's annoying because I'm going to have to hate a different team. Um, for a second, I kind of hate the Rockets right now. But I, I like Christian Wood as well. I mean, we're not talking about the Rockets today, but like, I like I like Christian Wood. I like John Wall. I I'm glad John Wall back as much. Yeah, I'm sad to say, I don't know. Sad to say, I'm in the same sort of boat. You know, they're definitely not my favorite team, but I'm I'm glad John Wall's been back and looking impressive. Uh, yeah. Boogie yeah, not twenty eight. So but... Yeah, but but Boogie's. He's, you know, we'll see how he goes. He's working yeah. off two pretty devastating injuries for a big man. Um, yeah. We might have to temper our expectations for what Boogie looks like in the future. But, yeah, I'm just glad to see them back out there. Yeah. All right. Um, that's it for news, unless something else came up or anything else you want to cover? Um, no, I think that's it. All right. Let's get on to one big question. So this is the segment where we talk about a few different teams each week, and we're going to kind of just ask one big question about each team. Um, I've also got a stat to back up some of mine, and Dylan, you've got some other info in here by the looks of it. Um, yep. So yeah, let's let's get started with the Clippers. So the Clippers uh, were 2-2 two and two this week. They're 4-2 and two for the season. Kawhi's missed two games. He went 1-1. One one. Uh, they, they went 1-1 one one without him. Um, they won over the Wolves uh, without Cat, so I don't know. But uh, they also got a nice win over the Blazers. And then they also lost to the Mavs and Jazz. 
Dylan, what do you? What's your big question for for the Clippers? Uh, my big question is sort of: Can they rely on Paul George to be the first option for you know for games? You know, obviously not for the season. That's Kawhi's job, but maybe for some games or even just stretches throughout games. Because I don't know. I feel like this season it's been a bit up and down with PG as you go. Um, you know, they had especially this week at least. Um, you know, they had that pretty historic Mavs loss. Um, yeah, I can't pin that all on PG. Sometimes you just have a cold night as a team. But um, yeah, that where they lost by was it fifty one to yeah. the Mavs. Yeah. Uh, early in the week. Um, yeah, I mean, and then they get that yeah, win over the Wolves. Half, but again, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they get that win over the Wolves, but there's no cat in there. That's sort of a gimme win. Um, Kawhi's their leading scorer against the Blazers. He has a pretty impressive game. And then against the Jazz, um, PG shoots six for 22. He's the leading shot taker. Um, and he just has, yeah, 25 points on 22 shots is not great. Um so I'm just I'm just a bit worried about how, you know, Paul George has his moments this season. He's definitely put up some good numbers, but I don't know. I just I wonder about his uh, potential to step up for them in big moments when they when they need him. Yeah, and you asked me to take a look at this stat earlier. If you, um, what was the Clippers' record when Paul George led them in scoring last season? They were ten and five. So when Paul George is on, they are a good team. So, but. I don't know. It's a bit weird just seeing, like, is that it? You know, 10 and 5. Yeah. It's good. It's obviously very good. I think it's better than their actual record was, but, like, I don't know. What's the problem there? Or is it just kind of and, random? And, you know, during the regular season, we weren't too worried about, about Paul George um, last year. And, you know, yeah. um, it's just sort of the, so far this year, I'm not sure if he can, you know, without Kawhi, if they can be any sort of competent team. And, you know, obviously Kawhi's there, hopefully, barring injury, but. You know they they're gonna be they're gonna have moments where they need Paul George to step up and take take the load off Kawhi, and I'm just not too sure if he can if he can keep that up, or if yeah. he can if he can do that again like he did in the past. Yeah, I mean my my big question, kind of similar to yours, is just can they get any kind of consistency going? Like you said, they had that awful loss against the Mavs. They obviously beat the Wolves pretty well, but again, a gimme. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just, they're a team that really gets runs and then they give up runs. You see it so much in so many of their games. You know, they'll get a big half-done lead and then they'll blow it in the third quarter or they'll blow it in the fourth quarter or whatever. So, uh, my, I, this took a while to find, but uh, last year, the top 10 teams, I actually think I have nine teams here. I must have miscounted, but the top nine teams with the largest winning margin after three quarters. So, what this stat means is these teams were winning by the most points after the third quarter um, in games last season. So the Bucks won. Uh, the Bucks were leading going into the fourth quarter more than every other team. Then it was the Celtics. Then it was the Clippers, Lakers, Raptors, Mavs, Rockets, Heat, and Pacers. The interesting thing about this stat here is, um, so when the Bucks and Lakers were leading going into the fourth quarter, so the Bucks won 95% of their games, the Lakers won 100% of their games last season when they were leading going into the fourth quarter. All the other teams here uh, were sitting at around 87 88%, including the Clippers. But what I want to read into this is the Clippers were only leading going into the fourth quarter 50 times last season, which sounds like a lot. But when you compare it to these other teams, so the Bucs did it 56 times, the Celtics did it 60 times, uh, the Raptors did it 60 times, the Lakers did it 57 times, uh, yeah, and then the lower teams also did it around 50-something times. But 
you know, you would think the team, a team that is leading by the biggest margin going to the fourth quarter really often, would lead in going to the fourth quarter more often. Does this make any sense, Dylan? I feel like I'm rambling. As I understand what you're saying. So the Clippers, you know, for a team as good as they were, they weren't leading going into the fourth as much as these other teams. That's, yeah, and that's they, a simple way to and, say it. And they weren't winning as much as these other teams either. Um, they weren't winning as but, much as the Bucks or Lakers. They were winning as much as the other ones. Um, yeah. But okay. they weren't leading going to the fourth quarter as much but, as a lot of other teams, which is weird because they, when they were going to the fourth quarter and leading, they were third best. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just weird to see teams like this, you know, having to come back in, into the fourth. Um, you know, sometimes it's only one or two points, but sometimes, you know, they've got sizable leads to, to come back from. So, yeah, I, I also I also had inconsistency. You know, they're two and two on the week, including some, you know, pretty terrible losses, a.k.a. the Mavericks, but also decent wins like the Blazers, um, who, they, who they blew out by 20. Um, but also a loss to the Jazz where they just couldn't get anything going. So... You know, losing Kawhi throughout the week, the start of the week hurts. Um, but you know, this isn't a this isn't a brand new team by any means. You know, most of these guys have played together for well, at least last season now. And yeah. Some of the bench guys even longer. So, you know, we're still seeing that. I think we're still seeing that sort of conflict between the guys that were brought in and the guys that are already there. And I don't think Serge coming in helps either because he's already sort of Kawhi's guy. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think getting that consistency is big for the Clippers going forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I think we've covered it. I know that stat was very rambly. Uh, I apologize for that. But yeah, um, you'd expect them to be leading going to the fourth quarter a lot. Well, you'd expect them not to blow leads and give up as many runs as they do, but yet they consistently do it. You know, you saw it a couple of times. I think you saw it a bit in, um, um, Blakey, which game it was. I think it might have been the Blazers game. Actually, I even think the Timberwolves game, they gave up a run uh, some point in like the second or third quarter. You know, you'd imagine this team, when they get up, they should just be able to coast to a win, but it's rarely how it goes, you know? They, they win yeah, and, and that's sort time. of... I think people point to that a lot where they, you know, they have a very distinct on and off switch and, you know, a lot of championship teams don't have that, I don't think, you know? You see the Lakers get up big and I don't really think you see that a lot of teams get back into that. Um you know, part of that's because the Lakers are so deep this season. and But, you know, they're, they're a team that's just, you know, get the lead, maintain the lead. You know, the Clippers sort of go, oh, we've got a lead. We can just, you know, we can just cruise to the to the end of the game now. And that's where they give up those runs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and like you were just saying, the Lakers there, that streak of winning every game they were leading to the fourth quarter did end, I think, this week. I think it was against the Blazers. Um, it ended, but it ended at like 59 games or something like that. So, yeah, 59 straight games where if they were leading going to the fourth quarter, they won uh, versus... I think they I think they carried that streak into the playoffs last year they too. They did, they yes. Yeah, they ended up, was it 60-0 and 0 or something like that? No, I think no, it was 50. No. I think it was 57, including the playoffs. Oh, was that including the 57? I believe okay, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the Lakers, they they carry their leads. The Bucks, uh Sorry, the Bucks went fifty three three, really, really well. They they did really, really well. So like, you'd expect the Clippers to kind of be in that kind of range versus sitting kind of similar to where the Raptors, um, and the Celtics are. You know, you'd you'd imagine the Sixers are not the Sixers. The Clippers are sitting a little bit higher than that. But it, yeah. yeah. Um, 
All right, let's move on to the next team here with the Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies, the biggest news of the week, uh, and we didn't talk about our injury um, news because it's just that important. Jabarant, uh out with an ankle sprain, a grade two ankle sprain for three to five weeks. They have looked bad. <laughs> they have, but they've also put together some wins, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, yeah. One of those was... They had Jar for half the game uh, against Brooklyn. They ended up winning, pulling that game out. Um, and then a pretty pretty bad loss to the Celtics where they got blown out pretty horrendously. But they also beat the Hornets uh, after that. In a, you know, the Hornets aren't a pushover by any means. They're no. a fun, weird little team. But yeah, I think going f- over the next couple of weeks, I think the Grizzlies could be in some trouble. Um, you know, not playing... You know, without your star guy, that's that's tough. Jar does everything for them offensively, it seems like. Yeah. He creates and he gets his own shots. Uh, I mean, he's averaging like 28 this season through the four games or three games, whatever he played. Um, it's it's sort of nuts how much they rely on him uh, to get buckets. Uh, you know, the next leading scorer isn't even averaging 20 for the Grizzlies. Um, so I think, yeah, my big question is, how do they stay afloat without Jar? They're going to have to rely on Tyus Jones, who, um, you know, has shown flashes throughout his sort of benched career so far, but has never really put anything special together. Um, can he run this offense, get guys shots, make it easier for other guys? Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough for the Grizzlies for the for three to five weeks, which isn't insignificant in this season. No, no, um, that's quite a few games in there. Uh... But my real question is, I'm, I'm kind of already ready to write these next three to five weeks off for the Grizzlies, but I think you will see some kind of a silver lining. So last season, Jabrit wasn't playing in six games. They only went one and five of those six games, which is very bad. But uh, um, Jared Jackson Jr., sorry, I keep forgetting his name, um, averaged... <laughs> Triple J. Triple J, Triple J. It's just um, easier. Yeah, averaged 25 while John Morant wasn't playing last season. So my question here is, I guess, I think, is someone else going to step up? You know, will Dil- I, I think Dylan Brooks could be that guy. You know, will Brandon Clark be that guy? Will Ty Jones be that guy? You know, I think that's kind of what you get here um, as a silver lining. One of these young guys, I think, will step up, and that's really going to help you in the future so you know who you can rely on as your second and third options. Because right now, if there's a lot of young guys in the mix, a lot of them aren't getting quite as many touches as they need. You can't really tell who's going to be that guy for you. You can't really tell who's going to be your second or third option because John Morant looks like he could be your first or second option here uh, on a really good team. So you can't really tell that while you've got, you know, um, John Morant and Triple J. So if another one of these guys steps up now, that's really helpful and really useful in the future so you know that they can step up again, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It's this is you can make the most of this time without Jar. You know, obviously the wins might not come, but you can definitely see what you've got. Um, and I've got that down here too. You know, see what you can get out of your other young guys. Um, I watched a bit of that Hornets game. I liked what I saw from Brooks. Uh, Desmond Bain looked really good. He looked aggressive. You know, he's a, he's a shooter, but he also looked like he could sort of get to the middle of the floor and pass out to open guys. Uh, Brandon Clark had a Nice game. He's He was intriguing last season. We'll see if he can keep that up this season. And uh, obviously, Tyus Jones. Um, he, he had like 12 assists or something. And that's what he does. He you know, he gets other guys going. But we haven't really seen that at the NBA level yet. Um, you know, 
in college, he was one of the best assist guys, you know, in the country. Uh, led his team to a national national championship. But um, yeah, it's haven't we haven't seen that yet in the NBA. And I hope over these next couple of weeks that we can see Tyus Jones get more more confident in being out there. I think is important for him. And then when he eventually goes back to the bench, I think that'll help the Grizzlies even more. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, will these young guys step up? I am afraid that if one of them does, it sometimes it is a bit false. It's like they step up, but they're not going to be good in a different kind of role. Um, not to bring it to the Nuggets just yet. We will talk about them a little bit later, but you saw that with Gary Harris a couple of years ago uh, when Paul Millsap went down. Gary Harris averaged uh, like 19 and a half points per game and look at him now. So, you know, sometimes, <laughs> it, sometimes it is a little bit misleading whether, when guys do step up. But, you know, I think you just let some of these guys have a go. Hopefully someone actually steps up and hopefully it goes right for them. And hopefully it yeah. can stay with them, I guess. Yeah, hopefully, you know, whatever the production or whatever confidence they get from having a larger role carries through, that's for sure. But um, it is going to be tough for the Grizzlies with no real, you know, scoring threat outside of Brooks, I'd say, for them. Because uh, Triple J is out at the moment, recovering from a meniscus tear that he suffered last, uh, end of last season, in the bubble, I think. Yeah, um, yeah so it's it's looking a bit thin for them at the moment, but, uh, yeah. you know... Um, hopefully they make you right, you know, get a silver lining out of this, out of this injury. Yeah. And then, you know, once John Marin's back, who knows, they could, they could still very well be in the playoff race. You know, like we said, three and a half weeks, three to five weeks, sorry, um, isn't insignificant, but there's still time. There's a lot of time in the season. There is still time and hope. Yeah. I don't know. I think this might, you know, if they go really poorly, this could be the, the death kiss for their playoff hopes. But, um, if they can, if they can keep afloat, uh, they they might still be in it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to our next team here with the Wizards. So, I I initially suggested talking about the Wizards when they were still winless. They now uh one and five of the season, one and three of the week. Obviously, their win was against the Timberwolves without Cat, and as we talked about, they haven't been good at all um without Cat, but. You know, they got a, the Wizards got a win here. They ended up losing to the Magic and they lost to the Bulls twice though. And my real question here is what is going on? Because they don't look as bad as their record shows to me. I've watched a couple of these Wizards games and I don't get why they're losing. (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, they're not defending anyone. I can tell you that. Um, I also haven't, I actually haven't watched I don't think any Wizards game so far, or at least not for a, a long period of time. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure how it's all sort of looking for them at the moment. But um, I, I don't need to watch them to know that a loss to the Bulls twice, not on a back-to-back, they had rest in between, and they had rust for both games is awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, Bulls are, the Bulls are not great. They can't defend anyone. And the Wizards still have one of the best offenses in the league, but they're also the fifth worst defense in the league by defensive rating. Um, it's, it's, you know, tough <laughs> defensively for them, which is what we saw last year. You know, obviously they didn't have Russ last year. They didn't have wall. It was just Beal and a bunch of guys going out and chucking up shots. And, um, you know, we thought that would change a bit to a bit more, a bit more winning that would translate to a bit more winning with Russ there, but it just hasn't yet. I mean, they picked up a win against 
what would I would say is now the worst team in the league, the Wolves yeah. with with no cat. Um, yeah, it's just you know, and obviously they blew them out, but like the two, you know, they lost to the Magic twice, they've lost to the Bulls twice, um, and yeah, it's just not great at the moment. I think that you know they just need to build chemistry. Um, you know, putting moving Russ into your offense um, is is a big move. You know, it's not insignificant yeah. f- for your team. Um, so, yeah, my question for them is how quickly can they get that chemistry going uh, before the, you know, before the playoff race, you know, sort of closes in on them. Um, you know, Westbrook's missing back, is missing back-to-backs. Uh, he's resting. That doesn't help their, their chemistry chances if, you know, every other night you're missing one of your star guys. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my question for them is can they build that chemistry before it's too late? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's chemistry, honestly, because like I see them and I, I see them and I'm like, this team is probably three and two. When I look at them, I'm like, this team is three and two or maybe four and one. But one real problem that I've noticed is they really, really struggle at the end of games. They have such bad decision making. Um, if you saw the end of, uh, their game against the Bulls, I believe it was, or their second game against the Bulls, they, I don't know what it was, but they decided to throw a full court shot, a uh, full court pass from the inbound. They didn't have a timeout. Last shot of the game, they had five and a half seconds of the clock. Russell Westbrook could have gotten the ball in the front court, uh, in the back court, got it, got it up past half court, and got a good shot up. But Davis Bertens, I'm pretty sure, threw a massive baseball pass. It went out of bounds, and that was it. That was the game. They had a chance to win there. And yet they just blew it. They blew it with a bad decision. And they've done that a couple times. Last year, um, they were 14 and 21 in clutch games, which I think means games that were within five points in the last two minutes. Um, that's a 40 win percentage. And they only won 39% of the games last season. So you'd expect that. That was nothing weird. But they're 0-4 to start this season. And I don't get why. I don't get what's changed so much in terms of their late game decision making. Russell Westbrook, I think he's a very smart basketball player. I would trust him to make maybe not the best decisions, but not terrible decisions at the NDA, but that's what it's looked like. Their entire roster is just making bad decisions at the end of the games, and it's costing them. They would fall because of that. Yeah, and obviously I haven't watched the games, but um, I don't know if, you know, having Russ and Bill there, maybe they're trying to sort of, you know, get along and say, oh, no, you take the shot, you take the shot, you know, you be the guy. You know, obviously, I'd have, you know, happily have Beal taking the last shot for my team. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, for this Wizards team. But I don't know if, you know, they're just, I guess this comes back to my chemistry point. But again, I haven't watched the Wizards so far. Um, is, you know, are they on the same page at end of games? And it doesn't sound like they are, you know. That's something that that does take a while to, to you know, build up for most teams. Um especially for teams that want to get to the playoffs is working out what is your end of game strategy when you have a lot of different pieces you could go to potentially. Um, yeah. You know, you've got Bertans who's a sniper, you've got Beal who can get buckets anywhere on the court. You've got Russ who's a bulldog. Um, and that's all, you know, those are some, those are three guys plus, you know, your wings in Rui and Avdia who can at least hit shots. Um, I believe Thomas Bryant is finishing the game uh, actually, but. Oh yeah, true. Um, but and even him, he's a decent role man who's put up some, de- you know, put up some good numbers so far this season. Um, it's just sort of something you need to work out <clears throat> as the season goes on. Is what's your end of game plan? 
Because yeah. um, right now they don't also, seem to have one. Yeah, but also they've been in some, you know, not so close games so far too. You know, they lost to the Magic by 13, I think, and 10. Um, I don't think some of those Bulls games weren't as close. Um, I'm not sure about the first one, but the second one was uh, last possession sort of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think most of their games have been close to start this season. But yeah, you're right. They they have lost. They have had some like legitimately bad losses. Yeah. So I I I'm not sure. I'll have to watch a bit more of this Wizards team to see what's going on. Hopefully, this you know you know getting a win can solve a lot of things, even if it's just against this Wolves team. But um, hopefully, that sort of kickstarts them into the right direction. Because yeah, you and I were both saying before the show that we want to see this Wizards team succeed for some weird reason. <laughs> We, yeah, you know, neither like of us them. want to see this. Yeah, I like them too. I don't want to see them flounder like this. Uh, but as we're saying this, they played the Nets tomorrow. So, or today, if you're hearing when you're hearing this. So, it could be another another loss for them in that yeah. column. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to our final team here with the Denver Nuggets. My Nuggets, my Nuggets, my Nuggets. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Okay, okay. What is happening? I don't, I don't get it. So they're one and two this week. They're one and four for the season. They beat the Rockets with. Uh, they had James Harden, but they didn't have John Wall. They didn't have Demarcus Cousins, and they almost kind of lost control of that game in like the second quarter when, oh, the first quarter. Sorry, because Christian Wood hit three threes to start the game, and then they lost to the Kings. Uh, with. No Jamal Murray, and then they also lost to the Suns with no MPJ. So there's been a couple, in, couple minor injuries, but this team should not be as bad as it is. And my real question is, is it time to fire Malone? And I'm asking, it's a rhetorical question. Yes, it is time to fire Malone. It is so much. It's so oh, we're out on Malone. I'm so out on Malone. Oh. I've been, I've been up and down on Malone for the last three years. He's a great players coach. He's great at like getting guys to just play their kind of style of basketball. And the guys seem to really like it, but holy crap, he is so bad at just drawing up decent plays, making rotations. I okay, I will admit, in the in the preseason, in our season preview, I said I think the Nuggets might be able to play kind of positionless basketball. I was wrong. I was so wrong. I could not <laughs> have been more wrong. They can't. They can't. But Malone hasn't figured that out yet. He, for some reason, he continues to decide that four guard lineups and Paul Millsap should play together, even though they should terrible. exist. <laughs> every so basically, what how every Nuggets game goes is they're fine in the first quarter because their starters are there, because Jokic is there, because Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. is there. They haven't both been there every game. Then the bench comes in. And they blow whatever lead they have, and then they give up another 10 points. And then they're just fighting their way back the rest of the game. It was kind of like that last season, but the bench was less terrible. Because, I again, I was wrong. I miss Tory Craig. I miss Tory I want <laughs> someone who can at least looks like they're playing defense. Because PJ Dozier, Fakuda Kabazu, Monte Morris, Will Barton, they aren't. And they don't try. And speaking of Will Barton, he is bad, and Gary Harris is bad. They're both playing really, really poorly. I think if those two guys were playing well, we'd be... This would be a different story, but they're playing so, so poorly, 
that it's just bringing the rest of the team down. This team is not deep enough to have two of your six, seven best players playing like they belong in the G League. Yeah, um, it's been tough. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, <laughs> and it, there's they're sort of squandering a a brilliant Jokic start, which we don't usually see. We never um, see it, you know, no. Usually it's Jokic is the one that's coming along, but sort of the Nuggets are going to have to catch up to him this season. Um, he's averaging a triple-double, and he's very skinny. His, his skinny Jokic is here. I, yeah. I'm here for it. He's throwing down dunks. It's amazing. Um, he's twi- he's uh, averaging 23, 11, and 13 for the season, which is ridiculous. That's nuts. It's nuts. Um, yeah, so... It, yeah. I would just let you vent there. I think you needed that, Ramiz. <laughs> I did. I really did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've I've just written the end for Nuggets here because there's just no defense being played. They've got one serviceable, de- serviceable defender in Gary Harris, it feels like, but he's giving okay. it all back on the other end too. Paul Millsap has been fine, I will say. I actually, I think Paul Millsap looks 31, not 35. I'll, I'll say that. Um, okay, I was a bit worried for Millsap for a sec there. Is what about offensively? Because it doesn't seem like he's giving them a whole lot. No, he's been great actually. He's, he's shooting like fifty five percent on open threes. Okay, well shout out Millsap. That's good. Shout out Millsap. <laughs> like he's turned back the clock by like three years. <laughs> okay, well that, that's good. But um, yeah, this they're, they're the worst defensive. They have the worst defensive rating in the league right now. Um, you know, it's only five games or whatever, but still not great. And it's their worst defensive rating since the 2017-18 season, uh, at least <laughs> yeah. at least positionally, um, where they rank uh, compared to the rest of the league. I mean, they were 10th defensively last year. Yeah. I mean, what did they, what did they lose? Was it Tory Craig? Is Tory Craig... Tory Craig, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley is the main three. Okay, okay. I forgot about Jeremy Grant. Um, the thing is with Jeremy Grant, though, is they didn't have him the previous season. So what and they gives? were still decent. They were like 14th <laughs> they were, or something. They were the second seed. Yeah, I mean... What gives? <laughs> what gives? <laughs> it's 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 just confusing what's going on. I think they've had some bad luck, obviously, with the Murray. Was he out with a concussion protocol? No, he was out with a elbow contusion or something like that. It was weird. It was okay. completely random. Um, okay. And, the, and then no MPJ MPJ. contact tracing. Oh, right. Okay. Um so, you know, you've missed, you know, two of your scorers there, but it's not the scoring that's the problem. It's the defense. Uh, yeah, I think they're sixth in offensive efficiency. But, yeah, it's it's the defense, and more specifically, it's the bench running out really terrible small lineups and not playing particularly fast and not playing good defense. Uh, I like PJ Dozier as a defender sometimes, but he also makes some really dumb decisions. Other than him, like I don't like Jermichael Green or Paul Millsap playing center. I like Isaiah Hardenstein, but he's not a he's not much of a defender either. Yeah, I mean, I kind of didn't realize how thin the Nuggets bench was. Um, yeah, I didn't it's it not. It's it's not great. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, once, no. You get, once you get past Barton, who's been terrible anyway, it's it's sort of you know, there's Morris, but he's not, you know, a difference maker defensively. Um, yeah, it's just, it's tough at the moment to be a Nuggets like, fan. If Barton and Harris were playing well, I I stand by the fact that the Nuggets still have a good eight-man rotation there in Jamal Murray, Gary Definitely. Harris, Michael Poe Jr., Paul Millsap, Nicola Jokic, Monte Morris, uh, Will Barton, and Jermichael Green. That's a good eight-man rotation if Barton and Gary Harris are playing horrendously, but they are. And my other kind of question here is, should they be traded? So one thing I said uh, in our season preview as well, I think, was that this is kind of a year of consolidation. The Nuggets need to figure out which guys are part of their future for the next three, four years and which guys are not. So Dylan, we're going to play a little game here and I want you to help me out with this. 
So I'm going to okay. give you these guys' stat lines per 36 minutes, so you won't be able to guess from, like, you know, who plays what minutes or whatever, and you tell me whether you think this guy should be on the team within the next couple of years as a contending team. Okay. So the first stat line here is 21.1 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.8 assists, shooting 45% from the field, 40% from three, and 74% from the free throw line. Per 36. You've got to... You've got to keep that around. You've got to keep that around, and that's Jamal Murray. Uh, 73, 74 from the free throw line is a weird anomaly, but he had a really bad game where he shot a lot of free throws. Uh, but yeah, I think that should rise back up, and that field goal percentage should probably go back up to like 47, 48. And I, I yeah, imagine sure. that three-point percentage will hover around 40, might drop a little bit, but it's still, it, you keep Jamal Murray, obviously. You keep Jamal Murray. Next one is 12.9 points, 5.1 rebounds, three assists, 37.7% from the field, 28.6% from three, 63.6% from the free throw line. Can I get a position just to help me out here? A wing. A wing. Uh, no, unlikely. <laughs> and that there is Will Barton. Um, the guy who said Yikes. he believes he's a starter in the league. The the, the scoring 13-5-3 and three, is okay. It's not great per 36, but it's okay. It's those shooting splits that just kill me. 38, 28 and a half, and 63 and a half. 28 and a half for Barton's awful. Yeah. Wasn't he wasn't he a really good three-point shooter a couple of years ago? He's, he's decent. He's like, I think he hovers in like the mid-30, mid to high 30, so he's fine. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll throw the next one at you. 11.9 points, 7.7 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 46 from the field, 43 from three, 80 from the line. I'd say you could keep that around. You could keep that. Those, percent- those, those percentages are quite nice. And that's PJ Dozier, actually, there. Okay, okay. So, really good rebounding guard. I mean, he kind of has to be because the Nuggets are playing him at power forward, which is stupid, which is making me very <laughs> angry, but... He is rebounding. Because I remember, I remember in our preview, you you thought Dozier is a guard. Um, he is a guard. And I thought of as, <laughs> I thought of him as a wing, like a three. I didn't think of him as a four. He's a two uh, three. necessarily. He's a two three. Yeah, I think. yeah. I think yeah, that's where you want him. But at four is a bit tough. He's so he's not yeah he's not big enough to hang with a lot of fours. Not at all. No. Um. All right. Next one. Seventeen and a half points, five and a half rebounds, one point nine assists, fifty nine from the field. 50 from three, 67 from the line. Oh, well, that's the key. And that's Paul Millsap. That's Paul Millsap, baby. Shut up, Paul Millsap. Let's go. <laughs> 59 and 50 <laughs> shooting splits with 17 and a half points is pretty decent. I mean, that's, again, it's per 36, but he's averaging like 13 points a game. You take that. That's 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 what, that's a 3 and D guy. That's what you want a 3 and D guy to be, really. Because Paul Millsap is exactly still the, a civil yeah. defender. If, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's tough. That's good. Alright, uh, next up is 21.3 points, 14.2 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 50 from the field, hasn't taken a three, and then 50 from the line. I mean, per 36, you could find guys like that, but sure, that's that's alright. And that's Hart. That's Isaiah Hart and Stone. Um, yeah. It's okay. It's, it's not bad. Per like, 36, he, yeah. He, he's a good, he's a good uh, rim runner, pick and roll kind of guy, and he is a very good rebounder, I've noticed. Um, obviously the 50% free throw shooting is grating on me, but that's exactly what Mason Plumley was really. So yeah, you're not missing much. Yeah. All right. And our last one here is 
9.9 points, 1.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 41 from the field, 15 from three, and 71 from the line. I'm going to answer for you. Go away, Gary Harris. Go away. I was going to say, Gary Harris might be, <laughs> might be time for Gary to be on the move. 15% from three. This guy shot 42% from three three years ago. On I how many he, attempts? Like five a game. How is this? Yeah, what's happened? He suffered a few injuries. He had a hip injury. He's had some injuries that have changed his shooting form. But, oh my God, 15% from three on like 25 attempts so far this season. That is truly awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, the only problem is, Rebez, is that someone has to trade for him. So yeah. <laughs> you need him to, you know, be worthwhile having for some other as, team. As much as I like him, I would give up RJ Hampton if we could also get rid of Gary Harris. That's that's something that some teams would look at, surely. Surely. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends what you get back, but I mean, that might have to be the move at this point. He, yeah. No, he just looks terrible offensively. I've caught a few nuggets, maybe not whole games, but I've watched quarters oh, and halves here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has not looked good offensively. I feel like he's still been He's one of your few good defenders. Defensively, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the you shot need him to be a is... three and D guy, and he is not hitting anything. Not even just threes. He's bricking layups. Um, that's yeah, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe this is just early season woes. Maybe if Will Barton Gary Harris get this going a little bit, if that fifteen three point percentage goes up to like thirty something, and Will Barton's shooting percentage goes into the 40s, then I think they're a good team because you then have a great starting lineup of Jamal Murray, Mike Boy, Judy, Jokic, and then you've got two 3D guys in Gary Harris and Paul Millsap. And I, yeah, Jumaku, I can't, Im- Jumaku Jumaku I can't imagine these percentages stick around. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, Gary Harris has been getting worse every year. I, I, f- I at least feel like Barton will have to bounce back. He missed a lot of time last season, didn't he? he did. did he even play last season? He did um, play in the playoffs. Was, he did miss a shot yeah. of the regular season. So, yeah, maybe he's just he's just working back into form, hopefully. Um, yeah, maybe Harris is... Maybe it's just you know, the end of Gary Harris as we thought he would turn out. Um, that's part of the reason why I say fire Malone, because Malone is going to stick with Gary Harris. And I know that's why players love him, because he will ride with his players... You know, until the front office trades him. He did it with Wilson Chandler. He did it with Tory Craig. The front office literally had to trade them just to get him to stop giving them minutes. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a very Scott Brooks uh, with the Thunder where he would just start Perkins and um, was it Jeremy Lamb, I think, when KD was still there. And uh, yeah, like Stephen Adams is sitting there on the bench and he's still starting Kendrick Perkins, who's like 34 years old. I mean, yeah, it is, yeah. It is a bit like that. So, and you know, Brooks got fired, so um, maybe so, yeah, I think maybe it is time for Malone to be on the move. If Malone's on the move, you know, get a coach in who is less of a players guy and more of an X and O's guy and more of a lineup builder, because you need someone who's got a bench. Gary Harris, I think PJ Dozier could start there. Maybe I think RJ Hampton deserves a shot on the bench at least because he hasn't played more than like a few minutes. Bob Ball's barely played. Bob Ball looks pretty bad, but he's barely played. Zig Naji hasn't played. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you need a new coach to come in there and just kind of shake things up. I mean, and that's what happens. That's what happens with young rebuilding teams. 
they can't stick with their same coach. Very rarely does the coach stay throughout the entire rebuild and then when they're contending. Michael Malone was a great real rebuilding coach because he's instilled a culture there. Now that that culture is there and that culture is more or less set, obviously their effort has looked pretty bad this season, but I'm sure that'll pick up. But now that culture's set, you need an excellent O's kind of coach. Yeah, but it's also hard hard to say that Malone hasn't done a good job. I mean, they've made the <clears throat> Western Conference Finals. They've made, you know, they've improved on their playoff performances every single year he's been there. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm not as down on Malone as you are, but just also mainly because you need to hire someone back if you're going to fire him. And I don't know what sort of coaches are out there that you'd be super interested in rather than Malone. Um, but I, I don't know. It yeah. could it could be their answer. I know I definitely see what you know. It's very rare that one coach sticks throughout a rebuild and a contending team. You're right. Um, I think we're about to see that with uh, the six. You know what the Sixers just did. You know Brett Brown uh, getting moved yeah. on. He wasn't a contending coach, but goddamn, he got them out of the process. Um, I mean, that's what they tried to do with the Bucks as well by firing Jason Kidd when they did that as well. Um, yeah. Oh, that was a bit different. He. Burnt his bridge is pretty good there, but uh, okay. yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, like I mean, I think uh, I think one of the reasons that people aren't as low on Malone as me is because Jokic has been so great the last couple of years. I feel like if Jokic wasn't what he is now, Malone would have been fired two years ago. Um, and I think it's time. I think it is very much time for him to go. I mean, it's this season; it's conference finals or bust, really. Yeah, uh, I think so. Especially since you've made it there already. Um, that's yeah. what that's what the whole organization should be aiming for. Yeah. All right. Uh, enough of me complaining about the Nuggets. Uh, do you want to <laughs> give any kind words? Um, I think they're picking up sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't see them being the fifteenth team in the Western Conference for much longer. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's get to <laughs> my top three stats of the week. All right, so I've got some stats here. I think they're kind of interesting here. Um, you can see the number one one. The number one one isn't actually my stat, but I will get to that. Um, so at number three, we've got uh, Gary Trent. Became, uh, the eighth time in NBA history, he had twenty-eight. a player had 28 points, made seven threes in 24 or fewer minutes. That's pretty crazy. That is Less pretty crazy. 24 minutes, 28 points, and made seven threes. Guy was yeah, just against fire. Against the Lakers, they're in a quality win for the Blazers. I mean, he was yeah. huge. He just came out and just chucked and made everything. Yeah, he was in full heat check mode where you don't hold the follow through. You barely, you know, get your shot formed together. You just sort of throw it up and watch it go in. It's um, back, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty crazy to watch. Yeah, we have we've had a few of these sets. Like we had that Trey Young one from last week, and we also have uh, tied for number three. I've got a couple of like honorable mention ones here. Um, Jalen Brown. Uh, the fourth time in NBA history where a player had 42 points, shot 70% from three in less than 30 minutes, which is also crazy. <laughs> Just go out there and get buckets. Um, who was that against? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember who that one was. Okay, but um, yeah. Just come out, score 42, sit down for the rest of the game. That's pretty yeah, nuts. 42 in two and a half quarters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, number two... Uh, a positive thing about the Nuggets, in their one win against the Rockets, Jokic had 19 points, 12 rebounds, and 18 assists. That's the sixth time in the last four years that a player has had that stat line. Uh, Russell Westbrook did it three times, LeBron did it once, and Luka did it once. 
Uh, Jokic did it for the first time ever with uh, 70 field goal percentage, so that does make his stat like unique. Also, in looking at the top uh, assists um, for centers, uh, Jokic and Wilt Chamberlain are the top 14. Every, every one of the top oh, 14 wow. performances is either Jokic or Wilt Chamberlain. I think, <laughs> um, and then Jokic is also tied for 16th. He's got two in 16th place tied with like Marcus Gasol and a couple of other guys there. But yeah, it's absurd. That's nuts. Um, I think it was like six Jokic, eight Wilt or something like that. Um, Wilt still holds yeah. the record, I think, of like 22 or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and Wilt sort of did that in his last season where he le- his legitimate only aim was to lead the league in assists. And yeah, so he, he was sort like, of like... Yeah. <laughs> He was just sort of cherry picking assists, <laughs> yeah. uh, if in a in a weird way. So I'd say Jokic's are even more impressive, to be honest. Yeah, I think people will say that Wilt wasn't a team player at the time, and he was just like, "Well, I'm going to lead the league in assists." F you. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, and the number one stat of the week here. This one isn't mine. This one comes from NBA.com/stats. Uh, found on Elias Sport. Found by Elias Sports. Uh, LeBron James has led his team in scoring on his birthday. All eight times he has played on the day, um, no other, sorry, no other player has led their team in scoring on their birthday that many times. That is the worst stat I've ever seen, and I love it. <laughs> it's impressive how how anyone thinks of it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> he led his team in scoring eight times on his birthday. That's you. You were complaining about like regular season. Uh, sorry, opening night and first game with the team. Birthday. Birthday. <laughs> Although I think I can add on to that. I think I might know the highest point scorer on a person's birthday. I think it was Shaq really? uh, with six with sixty against the Clippers on his birthday. I'm so impressed but, by you knowing that. <laughs> I've, it's a weird because it, when we had the suspension, the NBA would put up random, um, just like random games you could watch on YouTube while um, before the bubble, and one of them was one of the most famous ones is Shaq 60 on his birthday. I think that might be his career high um, against the against the Clippers, yeah. I could check that. Um, <laughs> that is crazy. How wild that you know that. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those weird things I remember. <laughs> I've noticed you're, you're bringing a lot more stats to the table uh, in, the, in this episode. So I've, I've quite enjoyed this. I've got, yeah, I'm bringing the stats. I've gone looking for stats a bit more. Uh, you are, I, I don't know. I've been inspired. Up. His career high is 61. <laughs> Yeah, was that against the Clippers? I can't see here. Uh, yeah, it was. It was against the Clippers. Yeah, it was on his birthday. Put up sixty-one and just yeah had a had a bit of fun on his birthday. The the Diesel. Yeah, that is. No, no, sorry, that was against the Jazz. His actual career high sixty-one against the Jazz. He must have put sixty. Oh, is it? Someone else. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a birth. I'm pretty sure that's a birthday. Le- what do you call it? Career high, league high, a birthday high. <laughs> A birthday high, yeah. <laughs> You're right. I hate that's that. Something though. else. <laughs> yeah, I I hate that birthday stats. Birthday stats should not be a thing. I don't think they are. Thank you, Elias Sports, for that. Though. Thank you. Very cool. All right, uh, let's get to your segment here with your top three plus minus. Uh, yeah, I've got some interesting ones here Wait, is this a honorable mention or is it just uh honorable mention here so we've got we've got four uh tatum versus the grizzlies was plus 29 in only 23 minutes uh in that drumming of the grizzlies um yeah. just a quick just a good little you know 
that's how well your team played. Yeah, just a casual <laughs> plus 29. Um, my first, number three here, David Nawaba, who only had 14 points, uh, five boards and two steals uh, in 31 minutes, was a plus 12 um, against the Kings. But Harden, in that same game, who had 34 points, six boards, eight assists, one steal, was a minus 12 in the same amount of minutes. That is excellent. That is a, <laughs> that's good, right? That's not bad. That's number three. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just sort of weird how plus minuses work that way where, yeah. um, you know, they must've been playing completely opposite times of the game when the Kings went on a run and Nawaba was just sitting on the bench. Um, yeah, that would have been like 14, but, 15 minutes of overlap, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Nawaba was starting though with Harden, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, but, um, they, w- they would have overlapped a bit throughout the game. You can't yeah, yeah, yeah. then play 62 yeah. different minutes. <laughs> Exactly. But, um, yeah, I just sort of, you know, a uh, weird stat to see, you know, maybe the is like the key one, to yeah. that Rockets team. <laughs> maybe they need him out there for all 48. I mean, they got um, their win today uh, without James Harden, so. That is true, yeah. Um, now, number two could also be switched with number one because we had two massive blowouts this week. We had, uh, for my number two here is the Heat versus the Bucks. And um, I'm just sort of saving face here for the Heat. I'll put them at number two. I won't. I won't blast them, but at number one. But also, when we get to number one, you'll see. But um, yeah, Heat versus Bucks in the first game of their back-to-back matchup. Uh, eight Bucks were a plus, at least a plus twenty-one, uh, with nine being at least a plus fifteen, and all Bucks were uh, positive in the in the plus minus. Whereas three Heat players were at least minus thirty. That is crazy. Yeah. Two of them were minus 32. Uh, I think Hero and Bam were minus 32. I think Robinson was minus 30. Three, yeah, three more were at least minus 22, and all the Heat were in minuses. Yeah. Uh, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> Where, yeah. So they didn't pretty much a was... single minute of that game. No. So, uh, or at least, yeah, the accumulative time that their players were out there, they just got beat off the floor. Um, and that's bolster going, no, trust me, Hero and Bam could bring it back and them just getting more and more beat. In the whole yeah. Um, So, you know, obviously the Bucks hit. I guess that should have been in our news too. The Bucks hit 29 threes at a league record. Oh, yeah. Um, for most threes made in a game. Um, so, you know, you sort of expect that sort of blowout when that happens. But also, I was, I t- we were talking, I told you, in the first... Six minutes of this game, I told you the game was over. I turned it off. Yeah. And it only it only got worse. So <laughs> I'm glad I did. Um, but yeah, this was a tough game for the Heat. Um, and then number one is the Mavericks Clippers game, which is sort of astounding how bad the Clippers got beat off the floor. Um, not necessarily my plus minus here, but uh, if the Mavericks didn't score in the second half, they still would have won by five. Which I thought is... they would have won by one. I thought that was... Oh, I thought it was like f- five or four or something. Either oh, way, they matter. still would have yeah. won, they which is nuts. <laughs> um, but all the Mavericks were pluses. Nine guys with a plus 20. Jeez. Uh, uh, yeah, another one with at least a plus 12. Um, all the Clippers were minuses. Ten with at least a minus 14. And my... To put a crowd on someone is Zubac, with a minus 33 against the Mavericks in only 16 and a half minutes. Oh, that's time. rough. 
That is rough. He was there for every single <laughs> lead build, it seems like. Um, that's pretty impressive, not going to lie, to just sort of get played off the floor that bad in yeah. 16 and a half minutes. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, number one for the week, the Clippers, but also uh, Zubach. Yeah. All right, well, I, I quite enjoyed that. I think I think the um, Rockets one is my favorite one there. Uh, two big blowouts, though. Uh, you're bad to see. No, that, very that made my week. Minuses. That made my week pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to our new segment here, which is called Baywatch. So, yeah, shout, out, <laughs> shout out shout to you, Dylan, for coming up with this one. Because that is an excellent, that is an excellent segment name. Um, but yeah, so this is our weekly Sadiq Bay check-in. So um, if if you listen to uh, our episode predicting the best rookie draft in 2020 or whatever it was called, I remember exactly. I did a bit of a study to figure out which rookie I think will be the best player in the future based on some stats and stuff like that. And we determined that Sadiq Bay is probably our number one guy going to the future. And Dylan, you've come up with this segment here. So do you want to explain what it's about? So essentially how this came about was I was just, you know, I was just checking in on some stats. And I saw that Sadiq Bay had a nice couple of games. And then I thought, hmm, Sadiq Bay, he's our guy now. You know, he's our pick to be the best player out of this out of this draft class. Um, I thought, how maybe we should just, you know, watch Sadiq Bay and then it instantly clicked. We're doing Bay Watch, baby. Um, so, and it helps that this week he's been excellent. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, in his last game against the Celtics, uh, which they won, he was a plus 13. Um, he had 17 points, seven boards, one assist, and two steals. In a, yeah, in a win against the Celtics, that's, that's pretty impressive. And then he's just been on fire in his last three games. He's averaging pretty much 13 points a game, which is third for rookies in the past three games. And he's shooting fifty percent from three on three point three makes a game, that's which crazy. is yeah, that's crazy. That's like elite. And you know, Bay wasn't much of a three point shooter in college, so he's definitely worked on his game, or he's just on a massive hot streak right now. So yeah, that's this is our weekly Bay watch, looking after our guy, checking up on our guy. Yeah, Sadiq Bay. Um, I I did see your report. The first thing I saw when I typed in Sadiq Bay to Google was his teammates saying Sadiq Bay plays like a vet. Sadiq Bay. Oh, he, here we go. He's not going to win rookie of the year. I don't think he'll win rookie of the year, but he's going to have the best career overall because he's going to be the most solid player. He's going to be in the league for eighteen years minimum. For me, stats don't lie, and that's what we're trying to get across stats to people. Don't is lie. That stats don't lie. We do the research here, and we get the facts. And Sadiq if this Bay is a, actually works out. This is crazy. if this turns out, this will be our greatest achievement of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we, we jumped on the Sadiq Bay bandwagon early. He's the, our guy. He's the our official pick. The he's our official stat stuffers guy, Sadiq Bay. Sadiq, oh. come on the show. <laughs> Oh, please, please. Um, drafted by the Pistons. That is crazy. Um, yeah. So, ch- tune in next week for the next Baywatch because we are watching Bay. That we is- are watching Bay weekly. <laughs> <We're> watching Bay. <laughs> You'll, you guys will get to know him. Shout out to D. All right. Uh, let's get to our League Pass games to watch. So, 
this is our segment where we're just going to take you through a few games coming up in the next week that we think are going to be worth watching. So, Dylan, do you want to go first uh, this week here? Uh, yeah, if you guys are catching this pod, um, when it comes out, tune in for the Clippers-Suns game that's on today. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun game. The Suns, 5-1, best record in the league, looking pretty, pretty good. And the Clippers, you know, supposedly a, a powerhouse in the West. You know, They've been, you know, maybe they get the they get their consistency consistency started now against a, a great Suns team. So I think it should be a fun watch. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think that'll be a really interesting game because the Suns look, I mean, not unbeatable because they have lost a game, but they, they look really, really good. And so have the Clippers. So I think this could be a potential, like, good Western Conference matchup. This could be a second round kind of matchup in the West. Uh, It'd be fun playoffs. to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, so uh, my first game here is tomorrow, uh, Celtics at Raptors. So obviously a rematch from uh, the playoffs um, last season. So obviously the Celtics managed to scrape out that series. But... I don't know. I, I I like the Raptors. I don't think they're that different to what they were last year. They've looked kind of fun. They've looked kind of interesting. They did just lose to the Pelicans. So, you're, you, Dylan, you said you were a little bit like, eh, they're not as fun, but I think this will still be an interesting game. If it's not particularly fun, at least I think it will have some impact on the playoffs. It will have some, yeah, it'll have some playoff implications. So, at least there's that to watch for. But I don't know. I'm sort of... I'm sort of just going to let the Raptors do their thing this season. I'm not going to pay too much attention to them until we have to. Um, I don't know. There's there's pretty terrible offensively. They're still as solid as ever defensively. So I don't know. It, it will be a fun game. Yeah. All right. Your next game. Uh, I've got Celtics at Heat on Thursday. Um, you know, playoff matchup rematch. Um, the Celtics have been pretty decent so far. Uh, they've had or they've had a few you know, interesting, not so great moments, but um, so with the Heat, they've been sort of middling to start the season, so might see a big performance out of one of these teams trying to get their season kick-started, uh, if they haven't before this game, but um, yeah, this will be a fun game, just a playoff rematch and some some star talent up in here. Yep. Alright, uh, my next game here is the Hornets at the Hawks. I think both teams have looked pretty fun, they're both pretty, you know, young, fast, high-scoring teams, neither... Uh, like, incredible defensively. I just think this will be a really fun matchup. Both have looked better than I think people were expecting them to, or maybe about as good as people were expecting them to. So, yeah, I think this will be a fun matchup. That's also on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, if you'd said this last season, I might have groaned very loudly, but this could be a, re- this could be a really fun game. This could be, you know, 150 points apiece sort of game. Um, yes. Also, quickly, uh, keep an eye out on Trey Young. A lot of people have been saying he's been playing like James Harden, really trying to draw fouls. Keep an eye on him. He might be a guy you hated a few years, so get on the bandwagon early. <laughs> start the hate bandwagon now. <laughs> yeah. um, no, Trey's been pretty unreal to start the season. Um, just sort of putting up, was he averaging like 30 a game or something like he did last year? maybe? Uh, something nuts, hey? But um, yeah, yeah. Um, a fun, a fun game, and yeah, the Hawks team looks like it could be a lot of fun with Collins there for now. Capella, who's a lob threat, they've got Bogey and um, Rondo there who can make plays off the off the dribble. Um, definitely a lot of fun to to see at the Hawks. Yeah, thirty point six points. So you were, you were right, um, but yeah. that's that's in fewer minutes than last year, which is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, your final game. Uh, my next game is, yeah, final game is the Sixers at the Nets. Uh, get to see Embiid and Simmons and 
Tobias Harris, who's actually looked all right, and against KD and Kyrie at that, that bench squad. Um, I think this could be a really, really fun game, especially if uh, KD gets it going. Um, yeah, just you know, a fun matchup. Yeah, I think so as well. So that's on Friday, that one. That's on Friday the 8th, yeah. Possible playoff matchup too, if you know things sort of fall their way. Alright, uh, my final game, I, I feel like I'm going to throw in like one bad game each time, just for the sake of it. Uh, <laughs> Mavs at Nuggets, um, Friday the 8th of January. Mavs haven't looked great, Luka Doncic has been shooting terribly from three, and obviously we talked about the Nuggets, so I don't need to say anything more there. Yeah, it could be a good game, it could be a terrible game, who knows, tune in, find out. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, also hopefully on Friday. Hopefully these teams uh, get it going a bit more before this game, because otherwise it could be a bit ugly. But um, no, I'm 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 looking forward to this game too. Actually, if they're both going, uh, both teams are going, this could be a really really fun game to watch offensively. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get to our final segment of the show with our over under of the coming week. So, uh, last week. I, I set our over-under line on Andrew Wiggins shooting 35.5% from the field. I took the under. Dylan, you took the over. The over comfortably won. Andrew Wiggins really picked it up this week. So good good on him. He shot 43.5% from the field this week. Didn't shoot under 40% in any of his three games. Well done. I underestimated him. Kelly Oubre, different story. Good thing I didn't set the line on him, though. <laughs> hey, at least Oubre made the made a three this week. He's he made did. a couple now. He he's, he's at least hit. Um... I think he's one for 20. <laughs> Or something? Did he? Is he only made one? God damn, Maybe? that's tough. I, I don't know. I'll check. <laughs> um, the war. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors are not looking great anyway. But yeah, at least yeah, Wiggins had a few decent, few decent games. Um, oh, he's one for twenty-five. Cool. He's shooting four percent from th- from three. Oh wow, that is tough. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty dismal. Um. Well, we'll see if that keeps up. Surely not, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> if, if he's four for 100, that would be amazing. Like, um, if you had anyway. asked me... Like, sorry, if I had said that line at Kelly Oubre at 20%, dude, imagine not taking the over there, and yet you still would have lost. <laughs> like, had you I was taken say, the I over would, on that? Yeah, I would have absolutely taken the over on 20%. Um, yeah. Never mind 4%. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I get, I get the, the victory on our first over-under, but, uh, well <laughs> my turn to set the line this, this week. And, um, I'm looking at the Grizzlies and I'm, I'm saying, I'm thinking about how they go without Jar. Cause we uh, talked about how important Jar is to that team, especially offensively. Um, so I'm interested to see where the offense comes from. And, uh, I'm setting the line at the Grizzlies leading scorer for the next week, averaging 19 and a half points. And mm. I, so... Dylan Brooks is currently averaging around 19. Um, but after that, it gets a bit slim. But obviously, guys have to step up, you know, even if they're losing games by a lot. You know, some guys just have to score, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to jump in early and take the under. Just because uh, I think it might be scoring by scoring by a committee, you know. One night, some guys might have 20. You know, and it might change every other night who ends up being the leading scorer for this Grizzlies team. I'm going to take the over because I think Dylan Brooks will have like a 30 point game and then he'll probably have like two like 
high teen kind of point games. So I don't know how many games they play next week, but he'll have one really good game and then two, three, however many they play, decent games, and that'll get him just over 19.5, maybe around like 20, 21. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's there's two ways of thinking about it. It's that Brooks goes for the, he, you know, has a big game or a few big games or whatever. Or my trade of thought, which is that it's going to be like Jonas having 24 one night, Brooks having 25 another night. You know, Brandon Clark goes for 23 or something um, one night. And that's just sort of how they get by, even if they're not winning a whole lot. But see, I'm okay, kind of thinking so... both of those things could happen. Like if Brooks has 25 one night, then, you know, he doesn't need to have 25 another night. He could still average over 19 and a half. That is true. That is true. But uh, yeah, okay. There we go. Over under for the week. So yeah, you are we going to keep track of this because you're one to know now, or do we? Want to I feel like we should just because I'm just because I've got the lead. I do want to keep track. Right. Of it. I'll write it down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, did you have anything else you wanted to say on anything we've talked about today? We've had quite a bit of news, quite a few teams we've talked about. So, anything you want to add? Uh, just chin up, Ramiz. It's okay. The Nuggets will get right. better. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. You've still got Jokic <laughs> putting on an MVP performance. Yeah, if only they could win. <laughs> acknowledge, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> with that being said, if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a like on YouTube. Leave a like for the Nuggets. Um, <laughs> pray uh, for the us, Nuggets. <laughs> pray for the Nuggets. Leave us a five-star rating or a review to pray for the Nuggets on Apple Podcasts. Check us out. Uh, follow us on Twitter to send your thoughts. Um, I'm going to stop this joke. Um, <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah, so follow us on Twitter or Facebook at StatStuffers or on Instagram at Stat underscore Stuffers. You can email us at StatStuffers5 at gmail.com. Tell us uh, what your pick is for the over-under here. Um, maybe leave that in the comments if you're listening on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, other than that, thank you for joining us. Peace.